Thanks for joining us for another edition of Intrinsic ID's podcast series, You Can Never Be Too Careful. I'm Mylon Lazich, and I'm joined by three other members of the Intrinsic ID team today. On the broadcast are Pim Toils, co-founder and CEO of Intrinsic ID, Natalie Bainans of Intrinsic ID's product management team, and Girtjan Sryan, Intrinsic ID's CTO. Today we'll be discussing Puff from the perspective of reliability, which is obviously an important topic when you're talking about security. Pim, we're going to start with you. I saw a blog you published a while back on the reliability of SRAM Puff, and in it you mentioned that reliability is something you get asked about from time to time. Why do people ask about Puff's reliability? What are they worried about? So it's indeed a question, Mylon, that comes up uh, on a regular basis. And uh, the main worry is that since people know that a Puff is noisy, that the key that is constructed out of the Puff would not be exactly the same all the time. That's the real worry. And, and, and that is amplified by the fact that in security, if one bit is wrong in the key, then the system does not work anymore. We would not be able to decrypt, not be able to reliably encrypt or sign messages or verify messages. And that's clearly a problem. Yeah, in security, one bit off means uh, uh, the whole system uh, will fail. And that's, of course, unacceptable uh, for the uh, all the uh, uh, smart devices that we are in. So everybody wants to make sure that if we use this uh, uh, technology, is it really true that the key is uh, uh, always the same? And in fact, uh, that's, that's exactly what we designed our system for, to make sure that it's always the same. As I usually say to customers and partners, it will be the same in Alaska, in Phoenix, in Holland, and in 25 years from now always exactly the same key. And, and that's because of uh, <clears throat> a number of technologies that we have embedded uh, into our uh, IP products, one being error correction codes. Yeah, so we have very sophisticated error correction codes uh, being used in the product. Uh, uh, you can that compare that to error correction codes being used in CDs and DVDs and, and Blu-ray discs and, and memories to make sure that uh, the data that is being read is always the same. And we use these te techniques now in a completely different, but much more powerful way than they have ever been used before. Because we correct up to 25% of errors. And that is basically uh, unseen. Yeah, there are uh, uh, very few systems out there that can correct so many errors. And that's because we have a very sophisticated uh, scheme doing that. We use a concatenation of uh, three uh, very specialized codes. Uh, on top of that, we have techniques like a soft decision information to further improve the error correction capability. Yeah, and we have even uh, included uh, burst protection, making sure that if a number of bits next to each other fail, then still uh, uh, exactly the same uh, key uh, will be reconstructed. So that's an uh, integral part of the solution is the error correction. But we also understand the physics of the SRAM, in particular, uh, uh, the aging part of the SRAM. And an anti-aging uh, uh, measure is therefore embedded. And that's something that Geert-Jan, uh, uh, our CTO, can talk about on how that works yeah, to keep uh, the noise even lower over time. Yes, there are actually several uh, failure mechanisms in silicon. Uh, that can impact uh, the, the silicon over time. 
And this, uh, these effects we have uh, studied in depth uh, already uh, in the past. And it turns out that there's a particular one effect, sort of a burn-in effect, that could cause the silicon fingerprint that we read out from the SRAM to, uh, to drift away over time. Now, it turns out that there's a very good countermeasure against this uh, burn-in effect. And uh, uh, this consists of writing uh, back values into the SRAM. Uh, and with, by doing that, we can actually improve the quality of the puff over time. And this anti-aging mechanism is actually part of all our IP products. So it's uh, guaranteed to give uh, a longer lifetime of the puff than uh, the SRAM itself is. Natalie, let's talk about when devices go into space. What are the special problems that devices face in that environment? So when they go in space, you have uh, more radiation than you have here on Earth. And, and then you see the nice thing of having error correction. Because we, we have that error correction, we can correct for bit errors. And that's an advantage that we have and that uh, other puffs might not have. If you don't have error correction, if one bit fails, your, uh, your system fails. Um, and let me go further into detail. So uh, when we go to the lower technology nodes, so the more advanced technology nodes, components are becoming smaller. And the impact of radiation is, is harder. It's, it's, it's more damaging for these uh, technology nodes. But our uh, SRAM puff still works, for example, for a 7 nanometer technology node. That's not a problem. If you look, for example, at OTP, then um, OTP is less re reliable for the lower technology nodes. So what's typically done uh, by the military, for example, for components in general, also for OTP, you go to the higher technology nodes or you stick with, uh, with the larger nodes. So as uh, Gertjan was mentioning, the SRAM puff is more reliable than the SRAM itself. So especially in, phase, in, in, in space, components will fail first before the SRAM puff is failing. Let's talk a little bit about testing. Girtian, what kind of processes do we follow to ensure that the technology is reliable? Yeah, so for uh, testing the, the, the algorithms and the logic and making sure that the error correction uh, capabilities are what we expect, uh, we do lots of simulations, simulated data. This is the, actually the only way to properly test this given the, the complex nature of the error correcting code. But the second uh, very important part of our testing uh, has to do with the, the physical and clonable function itself, so the SRAM puff. And we have over the past years, we have done a lot of qualifications on different technology nodes, on uh, chips from different foundries, different, with different process optimizations, on memories from different compiler settings, and to guarantee that uh, all the variation that we see is within the bounds that our IP is able to work with. And actually here, SRAM puff is to a big advantage because you are able to test, uh, to qualify the, the SRAM uh, cells for puff behavior actually on existing chips. You do not have to design in your puff in, and make a new chip before you can test it. So that has been quite a lot to our advantage. So we have put uh, lots of devices we could get our hands on in climate chambers uh, to test on voltages, uh, different temperatures, also uh, accelerated aging experiments. Uh, and furthermore, we have done a lot of work with customers to get to actually larger uh, number of devices. Uh, because our, our customers typically have 
capabilities of uh, testing on, on wafer level, which also uh, adds uh, to our database. Um, yeah, so all, all, overall we have been able to uh, uh, characterize the behavior of SMPATH on, on, on a, yeah, a, a very large variation of conditions and devices and uh, uh, have been able to verify that uh, our IP uh, works on, uh, on all of these uh, variations under all the circumstances. Thank you all for uh, joining the podcast today. Uh, Pim, do you have any final thoughts? Yeah, so I think SRAMPAV is uh, very successful so far. SRAMPAV is now being used in more than 170 million uh, devices. And that is probably also largely to do to the uh, fact that it has superior characteristics uh, when you compare with other PAFs. Yeah, we, uh, 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 when we did the research in our team, then we have studied many PAFs, uh, from uh, optical and, and acoustic PAFs to all kinds of silicon PAFs. And we have chosen to go with the SRAM puff because of its superior characteristics in terms of reliability, in terms of uh, entropy, but also in terms of scalability. SRAM is basically everywhere. In every node, in every process, there is SRAM. And it makes it uh, uh, very easily accessible. And as Gert-Jan already hinted to, even if you want to evaluate or test the SRAM puff, it's very easy and, and uh, uh, to do, and it can be done in a very low-cost manner, yeah? And in, in, the, in the coming quarters, you will see many updates. You might have seen some in the past weeks about customers that are implementing SRAMPAF, and the number of 170 million is expected to grow now very quickly to uh, several hundreds of million devices with SRAMPAF in the market. Very good. Well, uh, once again, thanks to our guests today, Pim Toils, Natalie Bainens, and Girtion Sryan. Thank you for joining us on today's broadcast of You Can Never Be Too Careful, and we hope you join us for our next podcast. Thank you.